0: Welcome to Take 10. This is a production of the Playground podcast. The following conversation between my co-host and cohort, Richard Gottlieb and myself, first appeared as the end cap on our episode with Thomas Kepler of Ravensburger Toys. And we recorded this on February 23rd, just around noon, less than 24 hours after the Toy Association had announced that they were moving Toy Fair, New York Toy Fair, from February to September. Now, To put that in some context, historically, Toy Fair has always been a movable feast. It's been, but it's always pretty much been in the first or second quarter. From February to to April, one version was as late as May. We have never seen a New York Toy Fair in the third quarter. And Richard, my phone's been ringing. What are you thinking?
1: Well, first of all, if the toy industry is stunned by this, I don't mean it's, negatively stunned i just mean that this is a major shift paradigm shifts in our calendar now for most of the time it's been in february since the 70s at least it's been in february and it's yes. a long yeah. time and as i put it in an article i wrote when the first toy fair took place in 1903 nobody could fly in because the plane hadn't been invented. <laughs> no one could take the subway because the subway didn't open until the next year. So this is a deeply ingrained part of our culture. By moving it into the fall, it's highly disruptive to, to people's thinking in their internal biological clock, <laughs> which is oriented to... You remember when you were a kid and you went to school and your year ran from, like, late August to early June? That was your year. Right. And uh, so this is kind of how our calendar works. So I think it's very disruptive. I think, Chris, that it will be a very different show. I talked to you the other day. You mentioned very rightly it will be a closed booth show. Absolutely. Nobody wants to disclose at that time of the year their new products because it's too much, it's too easy for somebody to to knock them off in time for the selling season. Because it'll be a closed booth show, Chris, it's not going to be a strolling show. Smaller toy companies who kind of go fishing, you know, they, they have an open booth and they wait for the buyers to walk by and have that wonderful serendipity moment it's not going to happen it's going to be an appointment show
0: and i also think that two things that have been really important about toy fair in new york certainly in the february time period has been talking to wall street and the investment community where you can really summarize the year that's just closed And then from the media standpoint, because I don't think media is going to wanna be covering in September items that are coming out for Christmas a year hence. They are just ramping up to cover the toys that are coming out for this year. So I think from from a media perspective, it's it's going to be a challenge. The other thing I think is going to be a challenge is that a lot of these companies have an established infrastructure for meeting with people in September in their offices and Mattel has a huge showroom. Even companies like Far Out Toys that we've spoken to here has invested heavily in a showroom. So we have a whole an industry, as you call us nomadic, that's used to going to California and different places in September to get their first look at Q4 for the following year. So I'm just a little confused about what's going to be the value to a lot of these toy companies. Chris, uh,
1: one intriguing thing that comes up is that October was first luck. Right. And then we went to January in Hong Kong and sealed the deal. Hong Kong is kind of in question right now,
0: and nothing's happening in early January. What does all this mean? I think it's a major rethinking of the global toy calendar because typically back when I was in a toy company, October was called early presentation. So it was the first look at things. And then people have gone to Hong Kong to move it to the next step in October to get ready for January when you really have a product that's 80, 90% finished. And then because a lot of change can happen in a product from September to the following April when when final orders are placed. So what's going to fill that space? And it's going to be really interesting because we don't know what the fate of Hong Kong is going to be.
1: And, you know, Chris, to your point, when you look at a first look at product, many times you're seeing uh, two-dimensional images and you're seeing rough prototypes. And if you don't if you buy against a prototype, you're taking on a lot of risk because, as we know, that final product may not function as the prototype did in terms of maybe they had to reduce some cost or maybe it's not the quality, and maybe you wouldn't have bought the product. So January was very important in order to be able to see what finished goods were going to look like are pretty close to finished goods
0: exactly and josh lorzel when he was on our panel with the toy association for toy fair was commenting on how it's shortening the development cycle that that in order to be ready for september what they have to back up into for the following year so the potential for the years to lap themselves right now is really high, and it adds a level of pressure to the toy companies.
1: Another thing that will be a good spin-off from this, Chris Byrne, is we don't have to worry about snow. <laughs>
0: well, and, that's true. The weather in September in New York is usually quite lovely. It's one of the loveliest months of the year. Yeah,
1: snow really can screw up a toy fair. People can't get in. When they do get to the show, they're exhausted. Just I remember slipping and falling in the middle of like 34th Street, laying on my back in the snow, and having to get up (laughs) because you couldn't take a bus or a cab or anything. You had to walk. Chris, I I think you're making a very good point. In some of the conversations on the social networks, there's speculation it's going to be a bigger show. I don't think so. I think it's, uh, it's not going to be a show that smaller companies are going to particularly want to attend because they just don't have the client base to set appointments. They're too new. And then I think some of the bigger companies like uh, MGA or a Mattel or a Jax, if I'm already showing my offices in California in September or October, do I need to be in new york so i'm not so sure the show will be bigger and i think it chris it's going to make astra if astra grabs hold of this it's going to make astra a far more
0: important show and one of the other concerns for small companies because in september they are working their behinds off trying yeah. to get fourth quarter up running out the door sold through so are they really going to have the resources, both human resources and financial resources to stop everything essentially and go to a trade show. That's going to be a challenge for some people. There were people who said to me that they couldn't come to New York Toy Fair this past February, the one that was canceled, because they didn't have enough employees to run the company in case somebody got sick with COVID and had to quarantine for two weeks. So it's going to be a major change. Now, the one thing about the toy industry is it's incredibly adaptive and it's always gone forward. So we're going to have to see how we adapt to this because it does fit in with what a lot of the major retailers are saying that they want an earlier look and make earlier commitments for the following year.
1: We'll get used to it. (laughs) It's a new paradigm. But Uh, This is going to have a domino effect on the industry because maybe what we're really dealing with is there no longer is one toy industry. There are at least two, and one is occupied by very large companies who dominate sales and have very large infrastructure and deep and broad relationships. And the toy association is having to struggle. I think was how do I cater to this cohort and at the same time, with the same show, accommodate small companies who maybe do a million dollars a year in, instead of a billion. So I think it's an impossible task. I think the <laughs> association is trying as hard as they can, but I do believe what you'll see is someone else is going to step in to accommodate these smaller players.
0: And as we always say here on the Playground Podcast, we're going to have to wait and see. It is a big change. As I said at the beginning, my phone was ringing off the hook yesterday within minutes of the announcement. And it's probably going to keep ringing for a while, as I know yours will. And we'll just have to see. And we will. We will indeed. This is the Playground Podcast with me, Chris Byrne, my co-host and cohort, Richard Gottlieb. We are brought to you by Global Toy Experts, The Toy Guy, and marketing and media agency, Chiscom. If you like these episodes, we do hope you'll share them with your friends and colleagues, and we hope you'll tune in next time.